I'm not going to show them my shirt. What's wrong with you? <laughs> so I have this friend named Nate. And uh, I've got a picture of his family that we're going to throw up there real quick. So Nate is, um, he literally is a middle schooler in adult form. Um, he is fantastic. Nate's the dad in this picture. So I, anyways, so if you, if any of you helped with VBS this last year and you saw the candy dance, do you remember the candy dance that the kids did? A handful of people are like, yeah, I remember that. Nate like wrote the thing. Um, he's the guy in the video that does the candy dance. He is a youth pastor um, at a church just outside of Columbus. And um, if you want your youth m children, your, your teenagers to die, then they should go to Nate's youth group. Um, because he takes the most, this is funny, guys. It's okay. Just take a minute. Ooh, all right, all right, good deal. Um, Nate's hilarious. Um, just a really, really great guy. And yet he has this super sincere um, core of a heart. So the first time that I met Nate, I'm pretty sure that he was attacking somebody with a marshmallow gun. And, um, and I thought, I don't know if, I don't know about this guy. Like, I'm not quite sure um, what's, what's going to happen here. But um, it, it took just a, like not even a day for me to realize what kind of guy Nate is. So uh, he and his wife had just gotten out of college and they're living in the ghetto and uh, like literally. Um, uh, they're living in, in this kind of project hood sort of area where there is, it's just a mess. There's drugs rampant um, and, and things, are, things are pretty bad. Uh, his neighbor, who uh, didn't seem to care too much about her kids, had these three amazing children. And uh, Nate and Kristen fell in love with their three kids. Now, the, if you're looking at this going, oh, there's three kids in this picture. That must be who she's talking about. I'm not. So, like, you can try to quit predicting the story. It's cool. So, um, so there's, there are these three kids that live next door, and they're over at Nate and Kristen's house all the time. And they're hanging out, and they're playing, and one day they're just gone. The kids are gone. Now, it's, it was common in this area for people to just, you know, pick up and take off or whatever, but mom was still there, and the children were the ones that were gone. So Nate and Kristen went days and weeks and months, like, wondering where these kiddos are. And one day, Nate has a van full of teenagers headed to Kings Island. If any of you have ever taken road trips with teenagers to Kings Island, you know there's a lot of Mountain Dew, too, many, uh, too much sugar, and a lot of yelling. And so they're on their way um, to Kings Island, and there is this van that is practically running their church van off the road. And Nate's going like, what in the world? He said, I finally pulled over because I was afraid they were going to hit me. He said, I pull over, the door to this van opens, and outrun these three children attacking me. They had gone into foster care. Their foster parents were driving them and saw the church van. And the kids go, you have to pull over. That's our Nate. That's our Nate. We have to see Nate. And in that moment, Nate and Kristen realized that God had placed a call on their lives to become foster parents. I can't cry already. We're not even that far into the story. So... <laughs> So Nate and Kristen begin the process, the long and tedious process of, of tons of paperwork and, and hours and hours and hours of classes and, and a social worker coming into their home and analyzing everything. And they knew what they were getting into. Foster care is a, is a life of loss. Your goal and your purpose in foster care is to love children and love their families so that they can go home. That's the ultimate goal. 
So Nate and Kristen have loved multiple children over their years. They've loved kids for a couple weeks at a time, and they love children for years at a time. And their middle son, in this picture, this was taken shortly after they adopted him to foster care. The two, the oldest and the younger, youngest boys are their biological children. I had a chance to talk to Nate this week. We were part of a conference call together working on how do we help teenagers who feel called into ministry. And we're sitting there and we're working through all this and we get off the phone and I stay on with Nate because a couple things have happened. Um, a couple weeks ago, we were on the way to a doctor's appointment for Joel to see a cardiologist. And so I'm texting Nate about that. And Nate is texting me about the fact that Kristen, who is a cancer survivor, just found out that she has a spot, but they were uncertain about what it meant. She's too young to have cancer. Everyone is too young to have cancer. So I'm praying for Kristen, and he's praying for Joel, and we reconnected this week, and a couple of really cool things happened. One, Kristen is cancer-free. The spot was just a, a smudge, so we are so thankful for that. And I said, so what does this mean for you in foster care? He said, well, we just got a call. He said, actually, we got a call the day before we got Kristen's test results. And the call was from the agency, and they said, hey, listen, we have this brand-new baby girl who was born at 30-some weeks, and she's now she's almost two months old, but she still is only four pounds, and her mom is homeless. She doesn't have custody of her three older children, and we would like for you to consider taking her on. And he said, We've, we really need to wait for Kristen's test results to come back before we know if we can do this again. Yesterday, Nate sends me a picture of this beautiful, beautiful baby girl who they're going to be taking home with them. And they're nervous. Nate's a little bit nervous because he said, we didn't get into, into this whole situation for adoption, but we know when we bring an infant home who has a home that probably she will not be able to return to, that that might be an option down the road. He said, I, I just don't know. I don't, I don't know what it's going to mean. But there's peace that comes with obedience to the Lord. Will you stand with me today for the reading of God's word from the book of Matthew, chapter 1. Verses 18 through 25. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man, and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through the prophets. Look, the virgin will conceive a child, and she will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded, and he took Mary as his wife. But he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born. And Joseph named him Jesus. The word of God for the people of God. Be to God. 
as I was reading this passage for the very first time, it was intriguing to me the, the situation that Joseph has found himself in. And we'll get, we'll, we'll get into that a little bit later on. But I, I look at this entire situation that Joseph is in, and I think that his language is very interesting. So the woman that he is legally engaged to, which means a divorce has to take place for them to not be engaged anymore, that's how serious this is, is knocked up with a baby that he knows is not his. He is fully aware that this baby did not come from him. And yet the, the words that he chooses to use are he had in mind to. He, he was thinking about it. Joseph had considered divorcing her quietly. I think these things immediately give me an idea of the type of man that Joseph was. I can't imagine if I was in his shoes in this same situation, I'm not sure that I would just be mindful about ending the relationship. I don't know if I would just be considering ending the relationship. I think I would be pretty serious about ending this relationship. But Joseph loved Mary. There was a love there that is evident. But not only that, he loved her with a humble type of love. He was a Jewish man who followed the law. He has this great and beautiful lineage that leads all the way back to Abraham. He was a man after the heart of God. He obeyed the law down to, down to the letter. He wanted to do what was right. But long before Jesus had grown and begun teaching things like Sermon on the Mount style, Joseph was already obeying the law of love. He saw Mary in her situation and with humility and grace was in the process of making decisions that he knew would affect the rest of Mary's life and his as well. We find in the book of Deuteronomy that he could have chosen to take Mary to court. There could have been a trial where people would have had to come forward and talk about Mary's character and about his. And really, the proof is in the pudding. She is pregnant, period. And Joseph, who legally had all of the rights and all of the voice in this situation, could say, it's not mine, and be believed. The end of that trial, had Mary been found guilty, could have ended in her stoning. Death was the result of living in an adulterous relationship. That's pretty hardcore. God takes marriage pretty hardcore. But he didn't. He didn't. Even in all of that, even though he probably would have felt very justified in his frustration and his anger towards Mary, he took the humble, loving route. Joseph said, I'll just, I'll just do it quietly. I'll divorce her, divorce her quietly and she can go off and, and live her life and I can move on. I can get married, have my own family. He knew, 
He knew what the right thing to do was. His character is above reproach. And that really is where we start today. The character of Joseph makes him open to everything else that's going to take place here. You see, if Joseph's character had been full of anger, full of justified rage, if, if Joseph's character had been one of frustration, a character that's easily angered, jealous, rude, malicious, if that had been Joseph's character, this story would have ended much differently. But because we start with a character of humility and love and grace, because Joseph's heart is in the right place, then miracles can happen. Beautiful and amazing miracles. Joseph is visited in a dream by an angel. I think it's very interesting that in all of the dreams that take place around the Advent story, around the Nativity, all of the stories that take place where angels show up, Mary, Zechariah, one, they're not given a choice. Mary, you will be with child. Zechariah, your wife will have a baby. Now, the benefit of those two situations is that both of those people had an opportunity to respond to the angel. Mary responds, let it be. Zechariah responds, yeah, right. <laughs> Joseph doesn't get a chance to do that. This story is it. An angel appears and says, doesn't just say do not be afraid by the way usually that's like the angel thing like do not be afraid for I bring you great tidings and all of those things like that's not how this one happens he said do not be afraid to take Mary that's how the story goes he's already in this place of consideration wondering what is the right thing to do and all he needed was an angel to show up and say Joseph here's the right thing to do he was just waiting for God to speak to him. And the angel shows up and says, Joseph, take Mary as your wife. Take her. And then all things change. Joseph wakes up. I also wonder what Mary was thinking during this waiting period of time while Joseph was deciding what he was going to do. But that's another story for another day. Joseph wakes up and he takes Mary to be his wife. He chooses in to this amazing and phenomenal story. He could have woken up and gone, forget that, peace out, God. This is a journey for somebody else. I'm not interested in being obedient to what you have to say right now because it's just going to be too hard. I'd, I'm not interested in raising somebody else's kid. Not my kid. Somebody else's. Not interested in doing that. I didn't sign up for this. When I got engaged to Mary, I signed up to have my own family and be a carpenter and be a good man and follow God and have a wife. And that was what I signed up for here. And you've got a whole different thing going on. Because you just told me that she is going to have the Messiah. God with us. We think it's hard being parents Joseph was opting into being the parent of God. Crazy, 
crazy that he would do that. But because Joseph said yes, all the other pieces fell into place. All the other pieces came together because Joseph was committed to being obedient to the Lord. Oh, and it's good stuff. Because you go back and you dabble and you read in Isaiah about a, a virgin giving birth and the fact that Jesus will be of the lineage of King David and all of these prophecies that take place, many of them were fulfilled because Joseph said yes. If you read the first book of Matthew, you see this beautiful and phenomenal lineage from Abraham all the way to Jesus. Abraham and his sons, King David's sons and daughters, Joseph, who was married to Mary and was the mother of Jesus. Beautiful and glorious lineage of truth. A couple weeks ago, we were talking about John the Baptist, and, and John made this comment as he's calling the people to repentance. He's saying, hey, come and repent. And there are a couple religious people that are going, uh, I'm, a, I'm a son, I'm a daughter of Abraham. I'm not really interested in this. I'm already safe. I'm already secure. I'm already... And John looks at them, and he says, you know, God can make sons of Abraham out of these rocks. He doesn't need you. He's already got a plan. You see, God could have fulfilled the lineage of Jesus through King David some other way. Many believe that Luke's lineage is actually Mary's lineage. It could have been fulfilled in a totally different, complete way, but it was fulfilled exactly the way it was because Joseph said yes. Because he was obedient to the call of God. And it came about because Joseph adopted Jesus. There are beautiful stories of adoption all throughout Scripture. But there are three that really jump out at me. The first is Moses. Moses is born. He's supposed to die. So Mama puts him in a basket and sends him down the river. I'd like to do that with my children sometimes. Peace out. <laughs> Not really. Sometimes. So... <laughs> So Moses is in this basket, gets sent down the river, and the princess finds him. And she brings him in. And Moses becomes a son of Pharaoh. Another phenomenal adoption story is that of Queen Esther. Esther's parents are dead, and her cousin Mordecai adopts her into his family. He raises Esther to know the truth about God. So when she is placed at a prominent position as queen of Persia, in a time when there is an opportunity for all Jews to be killed, Esther steps forward and is able to save her people. Both of those stories include something very powerful. One is adoption, like I already said. The other one is redemption. Moses was a key player in redeeming the people of God and having them freed from slavery. Esther was a key player in the redemption of God's people and the salvation of those people. And now the greatest redemption, the greatest salvation of all time is coming about because Joseph has adopted Jesus. He gets to be a part of this phenomenal story. 
of bringing Jesus into his home, raising him as his very own son, treating him as his own flesh and blood, because adoption is at the very heart of our God. You see, we, as a people of God, have an opportunity to be spiritually adopted. And God wants all of us. In the process of adopting Hattie, there was this great big long sheet, and we had to check off all of these boxes. It was probably one of the hardest parts of the beginning of adoption. You have to look at this list of every ailment, of every struggle, of everything that a child would face or a birth mother or parents would face, and you have to check a box that says yes or no whether or not you would accept a child like that. It's very overwhelming. And as the boxes go down and as you check and you choose which one, and I don't know about anybody else, but I know that my heart was heavy. Checking no was painful. I think the hardest one was the box that said, would you adopt a child whose life expectancy is less than three months? God checks all the boxes for us. Every box down the line, God is saying, yes, I want to adopt you, and I want to adopt you, and I want to adopt you. Everyone is welcome in my family. Everyone. And Jesus had this beautiful opportunity to talk about our amazing Abba Father God because he had an example of an amazing Abba Father earthly dad. His story of adoption and salvation bleed right over into our stories of adoption and salvation. For God has found us. He has adopted us as sons and daughters. Joseph's life is interesting. We don't see a whole lot of him in scripture after this. We see the beauty of him saving his family from wicked Herod when Jesus is an infant. We know that he's a carpenter. We know that he takes his family to Jewish festivals, that he's a religious man, that he shows up where he's supposed to be when he's supposed to be there. We know that his his lineage was important to him. He was proud to be a Jewish man, raising the Son of God. We know that he was protective over Jesus because when they lost him, they went back to find him. Not all of us would do that. We know that the life of Jesus, or the life of Joseph, was beautiful because of his obedience. I don't know. I don't know what his life would have looked like if he had told the angel no. I'm not sure. But what I do know is that he would have missed out on the miracle that God wanted to do if he would have said no. You see, he opted in to being a part of the miraculous story of Jesus. And through obedience, Joseph found peace. And now, we all have the exact same opportunity. We live in a world full of brokenness and turmoil. We just do. I love the fact that Madison's answer was, 
what was, what did she say, earth? Is that what she said? What did she, it was like, whenever you think of peace, what do you think? My guess is we just got done singing a song, Peace on Earth. She probably picked that up. Earth is peaceful. And I'm like, oh, to be, to be three again or two. We, we don't live in a world like that. The Hebrew word for peace is shalom. The Greek word is erene, and they mean the same thing. They mean peace. But not peace like we see it. We think, sometimes we think, we're like, oh, if I could just have peace in my house, which really means would everybody just shut up? (laughs) Sometimes we think we wish we could have peace in our world, which means we're no longer at war with each other. Sometimes we think, oh, if I could just have peace in my heart. And that means that the rumbling stop and the uncertainty. Shalom covers this great and beautiful gamut of all of those things plus more. It means completion. It means wholeness. Peace just isn't a a feeling, just like we talked about joy last week. Peace isn't just a feeling. Peace is when all things are made complete, when things are made whole. In the Old Testament, it talks about marble being shalom, when there's no cracks or crevices in it. Shalom is when we are made whole. And it's possible. It's possible for all of us. It was prophesied by Isaiah in chapter 9, verse 6, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. He brings it about for us, and we see it in its fullness. But first of all, it has to start with our character. Peace doesn't happen when our character's all screwy, it's really hard. It's hard for us to be a peaceful people whenever our character is awry. If Joseph would have started out in a different place, his story would have ended in a different place. Where is your heart today? Have you done a character check lately? Am I a person who is exhibiting the fruits of the Spirit? Love and joy and peace and patience, kindness. Am I exhibiting 1 Corinthians 13 where it talks about what love looks like? Am I patient and kind? Do I love like Jesus loves? Am I so busy following a law that I'm not able to follow the law of love? Am I struggling with pride or self-righteousness? Where in my character is there something that might be keeping me from peace? There's this really important chunk in the middle that if we forget about, then then we'll be missing out on the gamut. You see, in our character, we have an opportunity to respond to the calling of our God. God is calling all of us. All of us. He's calling us to be sons and daughters. He's calling us to redemption. Some of us, he's calling us to bigger things. Some of us, he's calling us to be pastors, or he's calling us to foster children. He's calling us to something way bigger than we are. 
And if our character is in alignment, when the calling of God comes to us, then our response is the same as Joseph's. Okay? The same as Isaiah's. Here I am, Lord, send me. And all of a sudden, then we go from a people of not just a people of character, but a called people who are at peace. And I'm not saying it's going to be easy to follow the calling of God. It wasn't easy for Joseph. Joseph is raising the son of God. I can't imagine that that was an easy task. How much weightiness he felt. And yet, and yet, he said yes. And the peace of God was upon him. The prince of peace was his son. I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day was written by a man who had recently lost his second wife after um, about between 16 and 18 years of marriage. He had just lost his son in war. And he heard the bells of a church on Christmas Day. And in despair I bow my head. There is no peace on earth, I said. So hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Then pealed the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail, with peace on earth, goodwill to men. Oh, are we a people of the right? And I don't mean political. Are we a people of the God who has called us? Are we a people of saying yes to the Lord? Are we a people of obedience? Are we a people of character? Because if we can say yes to those things, then I can tell you we have the opportunity to be a people of peace. Will you stand with me today? Oh, Heavenly Father, we see Joseph's journey, and we, oh God, long to be a people of peace. We long to be a people who are called by your name, who are willing to say yes, but Lord, sometimes that just takes work. We know that you're still working on us, that you are still calling us. Your calling of Joseph led him to a manger where the Prince of Peace was born. We pray today, oh God, that your calling will lead us to a place of decision that will allow us to experience the Prince of Peace. Give us the opportunity and the heart to say yes in the hard things so that we can experience the miracle of Jesus. We pray these things in your name today. Merry Christmas. As you go from this place today, may the Prince of Peace fill your heart and mind. May Christ Jesus lead your way. 
And may you say yes to all that he is calling you to. May you find peace in your obedience. Amen. You are dismissed.